Dear listeners, Sai Ram, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30pm to 2pm Indian Standard Time. The topic of today's episode is Satyam Shivam Sundaram. The Life Story of Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba and this was first featured as part of Thursday Life on March 28th, 2013. you being joined by me Prem from Team Radio Sai and with me is Arvind and both of us offer our most humble and loving salutations at Bhagwan's lotus feet and we welcome all of you to today's afternoon satsang welcome to you Arvind too Sairam Prem if we examine Swami's life from his childhood till the physical last days i don't think anybody could say that i know how swami thinks i know how swami works i know how swami does things the minute you feel that you have got grasp over some aspect of swami's life the next moment he does something that totally shatters all your theories all your concepts that has been swami's life because that's <laughs> i don't think we can predict god and that is why he always used to say you you must learn to love my uncertainty really and you know on one occasion swami made the statement swami said proximity was always conferred never think you can come close to me or you can earn that Uh, I remember one chance. of our seniors who is currently you know one among the youth at Hyderabad right yeah he uh, when you know in the hostel language the term form boy is used to a boy, uh, a student with whom swami interacts regularly right so he was one such form boy and he had had many interactions with bhagwan many interviews after that you know we saw that swami had a fall and then swami began to withdraw physically Right. So on one occasion when he got a chance a rare chance it was because what used to be quite easy for him before to speak to swami on a physical level had become very tough because of the circumstances he went and told swami swami your mood so far away from us it means the proximity that we had is no longer there at that time also swami said the same thing that you said you know he said that nobody ever had any proximity to me proximity was always given and even today to those whom i wish to give they still are getting it So <laughs> what we think of the lord and what the lord actually is are often very 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 far apart from each other. And there's another beautiful analogy which one of my teachers in school used to say and I had the opportunity to tell this even in the radio before but I think it's mm-hmm. quite perfect to narrate it now and also as a lead on to our discussion for today. And you know she used to tell about the uh, pre-independence days in kolkata they used to have these uh, havaldars you know these local policemen mm-hmm. who used to wear that baggy short pant mm-hmm. and they used to have these night duties in which they used to carry a, a peculiar looking lantern okay a lantern which used to be covered on three sides mm-hmm. with some uh, material so that the light doesn't go out and mm-hmm. it almost used to uh, work as a a torch mm-hmm. you know an improvised torch Correct. so if a person carries such a lantern and uh, shows the light on your face he will be able to see your face but you will not be able to see who's holding the lantern naturally uh-huh. right so they used to go around on rounds in the streets to see if anybody is laying on the road or any uh, uh, activity which is 
you know worth inquiring into mm-hmm. so she used to tell that you know this holdar when he comes and shows this to you you will not be able to see his face and if you want to see his face you have to request may I know who's holding this lantern mm-hmm. and if that person turns that lantern towards himself then you will be able to see his face mm-hmm. and this teacher of mine used to tell that with god also is the same way mm-hmm. he said god can see everything of you mm-hmm. god knows you in and out but if you want to know god you can do nothing but request him to show himself to you very and right. it is when god turns his grace in such a way that he reveals himself to you and that is when you can actually know god you know many i have been the people who have attempted to describe swami's glory swami's stories it reminds me of an episode that happened to our revered shri kasturi okay who has been regarded as the official biographer of bhagwan shri satyasai baba right even in that case it was not the case of kasturi who is actually he is a master he knew multiple languages he is a great linguist he was with the all india radio he has been a playwright he has written dramas novels he is a great literary figure even to a person of his caliber it was not possible to fathom swami's glory and swami's story in fact if you remember we had discussed it before how it was when shri kasturi first met swami right he had gone and uh, it was at a devotee's house and they were seated there along with the other devotees who was waiting and they knew that swami would be walking and then picking up people for an interview, interview. so kasturi was hoping secretly that he also gets picked because he was very curious and reading the book loving god you come to know of some incidents that happened before this so called wait uh, which actually had made kasturi very eager to meet swami swami indeed picked him he picked him and took him in and uh, he had got to know swami through an alliance that had come for his daughter so that was his connection so he felt that he would be a as one mr potty shastri correct potty ayer potty ayer okay uh-huh. whose son par uh, kasturi was interested in parmeshwar ayer right so uh, yes uh, interested in for his daughter right he felt that he will only have a secondary role in this interview because he is not the you know he main devotee, devotee. <laughs> he is just a acquaintance of the devotee going to become a family member of the devotee through this marriage but swami actually took kasturi into the private interview room and one on one the first statement swami ever told kasturi is that you will be my biographer you will write my jeeva charitra in kannada he told him and kasturi was just flabbergasted he was just shocked he felt that first of all you know this is the first time i'm meeting him i'm not even a devotee and there are so many others who are pining to get to know him but that is the master plan you know and if we look back today the first four parts of the satyam shyam sundaram have been so beautifully penned by the way satyam shyam sundaram is the name of swami's biography right. that has been authored by shri kasturi and the name also was given by swami and the story was actually when kasturi was told this he just fell at swami's feet and he said swami this is a great honor great privilege that you're conferring but let me confess that i won't be able to do it because swami i don't know i have come in i have come late in 1948 <laughs> <laughs> kasturi is telling swami swami i have come late so i have missed so many things i don't know swami said you don't worry i will send the right people to you i will send you to the right people from where you can get the stories and you will be writing it i mean that was the genesis of satyam shyam sundaram swami story even when it comes to 
you know writing his story that too is so totally depend on him the instrument everything he's totally in control and as we said no way that we can i think fathom. It, yeah really the beauty is the story has to be revealed by him and him alone hmm. and even people who might have been eyewitnesses and were with him might have missed the major part of the story in fact there's a very interesting episode in the life of tulsidas hmm. you know when he begins to write the ramayan uh much much later after the ramayana actually happened the blessing that he has is the whole scene of the ramayana appears in front of his eyes as he narrates it hmm. just similar to, to what uh, yeah similar to what valmiki was promised when hmm. he began to write the ramayana hmm. and uh, there was this particular incident hmm. when you know uh, he writes about the scene when in ashokvana sita is seated and uh, hanuman goes there as an emissary of lord rama okay right you know that is when he describes the ashokvana hmm he says there were these trees there were these gardens and at one particular point he says there were beautiful white flowers okay around the place where sita sat and uh, as the legend goes wherever rama's name is narrated uh, hanuman would appear and listen to it hmm. and it seems even as tulsidas was penning the whole ramayana hanuman was always with him and hmm. listening to the whole story okay. and at this moment when uh, tulsidas was describing this scene of ashokvana Hanuman appears and says no you're wrong. Hmm. You got it wrong there. So Tulsida says what have I written wrong? He says there were no white flowers. There were only red flowers there. Hmm. And Tulsida who was actually seeing the scene in front of his eyes and he was writing it down he said no there were white flowers. Hmm. So then there was this argument where Hanuman says no there were red flowers. And then finally Tulsida says that who oh, Hanuman when you went to Ashokona when you went to Lanka you were so angry that your eyes were red with anger hmm. and actually you saw the white flowers as red. Okay. And then Hanuman says yes that might be true. Okay. Because here was Tulsidas how many centuries later he was writing the Ramayana and he was actually getting a better picture of the Ramayana than Hanuman who actually was going through the whole story. Hmm. As a personal witness and I think Kasturi in many places revealed you know that kind of a maturity which was god given. And maybe nobody who, who would have been with Swami all these years might not have been able to appreciate and pen down satyam shamsundaram the way kasturi had done it exactly prem and we see this happening even to this day in our own lives many of the our experiences with swami and it may be dream it may be in the in a vision it may be in a far off place where we are not even physically close to swami but all those experiences when we later digest it mull over it and look back at it now as a witness rather than a participant in that experience the lessons the insight that it holds are many more and things that we have otherwise missed when it happened and even if you see a parallel in shirdi sacharitra hmm. when uh, hemat pant wants to write the story of shirdi baba and uh, he goes to i think uh, shama to request on his behalf hmm. and shirdi baba says ask him to make notes and i will guide him hmm. and quite similarly actually when swami sees kasturi and tells him you write my autobiography Swami tells him, "I will guide you. I will tell you whom to meet. I will tell you whom to get the notes from." Very right. And now, getting to the topic as such, I would just like to, you know, narrate a small. It's a famous story. Mm-hmm. It is said that the great sage Veda Vyasa, who has written the Mahabharata, who has written the, you know, the Upanishads, the Vedas, everything, he is the one who has penned it down for history and for all the world to hear, listen, see, and enjoy. anybody would expect him because he has written down the treatises 
on the greatest of scriptures right. the greatest of philosophies the categorization of the four vedas is done by uh, him is done by him he has done means unparalleled work uh, in the scriptures and so one would expect him to have a great fulfillment and a feeling of satisfaction having done that but story goes that even after having done the whole thing vedavyasa was very dissatisfied he was not at all happy and he didn't seem to be emanating the bliss that such people were expected to emanate you know because of what such they have done achievement because the achievement so he goes to the celestial sage narada and he tells him his problem he says you know i don't know i'm not satisfied i don't feel fulfillment narada smiles at him and he says naturally because though you have described all this all these whatever you have done you have not sung the glory of the lord directly so he tells him you write bhagavatam bhagavatam which is nothing but the stories of lord krishna and it is said that it is only after writing the bhagavatam that vedavyasa got satisfaction fulfillment and joy well we may not be vedavyasas but it is definitely true that how much ever we discuss different philosophies different teachings it doesn't feel complete or fulfilling without actually delving into the sweet and beautiful stories of our lord so dear listeners we decided with prayers in our heart that we will dedicate the satsang to the story the sweet story of our dear sai the satyam shivam sundaram and really what can be a better message than that because swami himself declares mm. that my life is my message mm. there are so many other uh, maybe drawings from that the main message which is his life and that is the most essential part of the message because swami lived every bit of what he taught us be it equanimity be it uh, compassion be it uh, empathy sympathy i think everything swami had started displaying in his life much much before he actually declared himself much before he revealed himself revealed his divinity to the whole world and even after he revealed his divinity and people you know were flocking to him and for many people his word became the truth and whatever he said they followed implicitly in spite of commanding such power influence the way swami conducted himself is really something worth reliving enjoying and learning from you know because swami began by saying my life is my message and towards the later part of the avatar hood swami used to say your life should become my message i feel in order to help us make this transition from swami's life being his message to our lives being his message we should get to know his life in as much detail as possible with as much emotion with as much color and grandeur that it has so it helps us to embody those virtues and those qualities and learn how we can practically exhibit the same in our lives too and i think as an exercise even if we keep looking at swami's life over and over again even though we have we know we have read the satyam shivam sundaram we've heard it from swami himself we've heard so many people narrated in fact uh, venkatraman sir had that whole series of miracles of pure love where he narrated the entire childhood of swami but still i think listening to it over and over again with somewhere you know if not consciously at least subconsciously it would seep into us these messages which swami has left us with and i think it's absolutely relevant today as it would be ever in the future to again and again redwell into this you know thinking of, of this prem i 
actually i must confess that i felt a little bit ashamed you know because last week when we decided that we will be doing this i sat and i started recollecting i could re- recollect isolated incidents from swami's life but frankly i must confess i could not place a timeline you know if i have to tell some children the future the story you know some of us have been lucky that we heard his story history from his own divine lips but if i have to narrate it i just felt that i do not know the exact timeline if i try to construct the timeline it's all little you know jumbled up mm-hmm. i don't know what happened when when you look into this social networking sites like facebook and all this you know where you have a timeline we are placing together a timeline of our own lives there and i was just feeling that much more important i pay so much attention there <laughs> onto this social networking sites and all this when swami is such an integral part of my life should i not have a timeline of his life ready with me i felt i should know when what happened for example if somebody asked me what are the important incidents that happened when swami was a 6 year old i don't know i know only some incident that happened before swami turned 10 then some incident that happened when he turned 14 but the timeline i feel if the way i know ramayana the story of lord rama that is the way i must know the story of my sai rama and i also recollected you know a dream that i had sometime back okay in the dream swami was moving around in a car and he stopped the car lowered the window glass called me to him and asked me whether i believed that he and shirdi baba were the same mm-hmm. i said yes swami you are the same there's no doubt in that and swami then asked what is shirdi baba's life story called i said swami it's sai satcharitra okay then swami said then what about mine can you believe it in the dream i was just blanked out i told swami swami i'm sure there is something written on you i know that it is there i'm just not recollecting it swami said think about it he raised back the glass and drove on when i woke up the next morning also i was not clear about it it was only when i told my mother you know then she said hey satyam shyam sundaram i said oh yeah satyam how could i forget it how could i forget it satyam shyam sundaram yes it is so important how could i forget it but last week when we discussed this also i felt the same i said oh my god i don't think i know the whole satyam shyam sundaram thoroughly and reading it dear listeners let me assure you reading the satyam shyam sundaram has been such a pleasure such an uplifting experience and that is why we felt that it would be of immense benefit to us to read it and we hope that this same benefit is enjoyed by all our listeners around the world and what better way of thinking of swami than this than reliving satyam shyam sundaram satyam that's what swami was called and it is definitely shivam it's all auspiciousness and sundaram no doubt it is beauty it is soaked in beauty and soaked in all bliss and joy you know swami used to say satyam satyam the truth the eternal truth the only truth is there is isness being being and swami used to say shivam or auspiciousness is denoted by awareness and sundaram beauty that is bliss so swami used to say a person who is being awareness bliss always b a b a that is baba so he used to say you know swami is satyam shivam sundaram what a beautiful name to give for his biography and dear listeners this is what we will be doing reliving his story and all the beautiful nuances the subtle messages 
the direct messages everything that swami taught us and before we dive into the story proper i think prem we should play that beautiful telugu song which describes the glory of satyam shivam sundaram i think that particular song maybe a little later in the program we will play that but mm-hmm. before that arvind maybe we should start with the descriptions which of puttaparthi which kasturi sir starts of the satyam shivam sundaram the history of puttaparthi oh yes puttaparthi is a relatively new name as such i mean though i remember it as puttaparthi ever since i have come from i have come to puttaparthi even for uh, decades before that it was puttaparthi but story goes that the original name of this village was gollapalli right and gollapalli refers to the cows the village that was abundant with cows and they say that this place gollapalli was as beautiful as krishna's brindavan with lot of cows and cowherds it was during this time that one of the cowherds he noticed that his favorite cow which used to yield a lot of milk apparently had gone dry there was no milk coming from its udders and he was surprised so one day he decided to follow this cow he followed this cow he saw that at one particular time of the day which was a few hours before the milking mm-hmm. this cow would let leave its calf with the other sisters uh, you know other cows mm-hmm. and just walk out so he was amazed he was wondered where is this cow walking out he followed the cow the cow walked up to an anthill Mm-hmm. an anthill which had been occupied by a cobra and he saw that a cobra would emerge from that anthill and suckle at the udder of the cow and drink all the milk empty the udders and then the cow would walk back home and that was the reason why it would ha- not have any more milk to yield right the cowherd grew so angry on the snake for depriving him of the milk from his favorite cow so he took a huge rock that was nearby a round rock and threw it at the snake and killed it on the spot legend goes that the snake uttered a curse because of which the whole of golapalli was not transformed shall i say it got it it fell down you know transform is usually positive but it got changed into a place arid place filled with anthills right the cobra is said to have cast a curse on the village it cursed that cows will no longer prosper in this town and therefore the whole region became arid the cows naturally slowly started dying dying out and the numbers reduced and an anthill is called as putta it is also called as valmiki in sanskrit right because valmika the, valmika correct valmika. because the great uh, sage valmiki he was actually ratnakar right ratnakara ratnakar was a bandit he used to loot people and when he underwent a change of heart he began to meditate and an anthill formed Forms around him around he became the sage valmiki named after the valmikam valmikam that developed around him the anthill and so therefore from gollapalli the village came to be known as valmiki pura right valmiki pura is the town of anthills and the local lexicon it was called puttaparthi because putta refers to as anthill as you said in sanskrit it's called valmika and in uh, telugu it is it is that the putta so what happened is as you narrated you know the whole town gets transformed into this village of anthills and the cow population comes down and that particular stone which was 
throne to kill this cobra hmm. as a, a kind of repentance it was enshrined in a temple and they started worshiping it the local villages and in fact till says you would be interested to know that that temple still stands yes gopalaswami temple which you see in puttapati and i think any of the devotees of swami who visit puttapati should make it a point to visit these not just historical sites because these are legends i mean if you go to mecca there is that kaaba uh, you know the kaaba the, the place where the prophet worshiped the place where he meditated if you follow the life of buddha there is that tree under which he sat and got enlightenment these are sites of such historical proportions when i went there there was nobody right. i just sat in the temple all by myself definitely that's definitely a thing there because very tranquil I, i still know many of my classmates who find uh, you know the gopal swami temple as a good place to sit and contemplate on swami because it's so empty and it, it it definitely has beautiful vibrations there in fact the priest he was sitting by the side he was so happy that i came he opened the main uh, sanctum sanctorum for me and i could now there's of course there's a statue of lord krishna that has been made a beautiful statue and has been kept but earlier that stone with only that, still there. that stain mark yes, that was behind. the only thing which was being in worshipped. fact later on you know swami he showed on the stone there were markings which showed lord right. krishna actually swami had, uh, directed some of the village elders to wash that stone with haldi water hmm. and when they did that they found that a very very distinct image of krishna playing the flute correct and that was you know again uh, reinstalled there in worship in fact for so many years many of the very pious people in puttapati could hear the sound of flute from the stone that is what that stone, legend that goes was, okay. so dear listeners when you happen to visit puttaparthi do drop into the gopala swami temple and make a request to the priest the priest will be more more than willing to oblige to allow you into the sanctum and behind the krishna idol you will be able to see this stone it's about uh, between half foot to 1 foot in diameter it's about 3/4 of a foot in diameter a round stone but it carries such a wonderful history and legend behind it and as we shall see in part it was responsible for the lord taking avatarhood in this holy hamlet of puttaparthi and that's a beautiful way to launch this satyam shamsundaram discussion and before we move to the other aspects of puttaparthi and how puttaparthi was beginning and preparing itself for a grand blessing i've got the song which you asked for arvind oh, thanks <laughs> prem yeah satyam shamsundaram a beautiful song and uh, dear it listeners has been sung by, yeah uh, before i play it for you let me tell you that this has been sung by a legend uh, shri ganthasala and he's very very popular in uh, the southern part of india especially in andhra pradesh and he also was a devotee of swami who has beautiful experiences who came to swami uh, towards the later part of his life the song is in telugu and it has been recorded more than 5 decades back so technically it may not sound as perfect as a modern recording but the feeling that it embodies and the message it conveys both are very profound the song now satyam shivam sundaram ಸಾಯಿಬಾಬಾವತಾರಂ ನಿಶ್ಚಲ ನಿರ್ಮಲ ನಿಚ ಮಂಗಳ ಭಕ್ತ ಕೋಟಿ ಮುಗ್ಧ
nostalgic song it leaves such a you know yesteryear's flavor when you listen <laughs> to that and coming to puttaparthi you spoke about puttaparthi and spoke about gopal swami temple beside it there is another shrine the satyama temple but before we come to that we need to introduce satyama is the uh, local way of calling satyabhama the consort of lord and, krishna and in india there is this tradition that almost every village has its village deity correct you know there is one particular form of divinity which is worshiped by the village and it is believed that that deity is the protector of the whole village and so even now if you see the major festivals in puttaparthi the local festivals happen in front of the satyama temple correct satyama is considered as the local deity as the, the goddess for puttaparthi the guardian village. deity of puttaparthi village that's very special because prem usually we never see a temple where satyabhama is alone right you know it's always as a consort of lord krishna she's always present but why this happened for that we will have to go into the life of one great person one glorious spiritual person and dear listeners you know as we live this story this this story you know would be perfect and ideal i feel that these are the stories that every mother or every father must tell his or her child before putting them to bed <laughs> instead of stories of imaginary fictional monsters or you know all the cartoons that go on they are fun in a way but i feel these stories are not only amazing stories but unconsciously they also build in values and morality in the children and that's why i'm inspired and i, I feel whenever it, the time comes in the future these are the stories that i'm going to tell my children <laughs> well so we go to the personality that kondama raju was kondama raju the grandfather of bhagwan shri satya sai baba he was a very pious and holy person a person who was loved by everyone in this village which was gollapalli which had become puttaparthi and he was helpful to everyone he was almost like the the doyen of the raju family 
Correct. Which Mommy was born, and uh, actually the Raju family was popular for its, you know, pious nature, starting mm. from the life of Venkavaduta. Mm. Uh, Avaduta, as you know, there are Avadutas in the Indian tradition where people who have given up all the comfort of board, of home and shelter and family, and go out in search of the absolute. And he was one such sage, and he was believed to have lived for so many years. Hmm. In fact, he was beyond hundred, beyond hundred, and he was in this family of the Raju clan. And after him, Kondama Raju was revered as a very, very pious and wise old man. He too lived to a ripe old right. age, beyond hundred, and, and an imposing personality. So, we used to describe him as, as a very uh, six feet tall. tall. And even at that age, even till he was well into the late nineties, he always used to stand straight. And there is a picture of him sitting upright, and Swami standing by him. A very <laughs> beautiful picture. He was the person who was instrumental in bringing the Satyama Temple into existence. Mm. Yes, what happened was one night he had a very strange dream. In the dream, it was raining very heavily, and he saw Goddess Satyabhama. the consort of lord krishna standing all alone forlorn and getting wet in the rain and she was asking kondama raju to do something about actually, it actually the story is there is a mythological story where hmm. satyabama requests for the parijata flower from the heavens correct so krishna uh, yes, correct. travels to the heavens get a parijata Uh, flower for Satyabama. I think he goes to get the Parijata tree. The tree itself. Tree itself. Actually, hmm. he gives the Parijata flower. I think to uh, Rukmini, his uh-huh. other uh, consort. The other consort. And in a move to pacify Satyabama, he says, "I'll get you the tree from the heavens." And the scene which Kondamaraju sees is that Satyabama is waiting under a tree, and it is raining, and she is waiting for Krishna to come back from heaven. Hmm. That is the scene he sees in the. in the dream and kondamaraju runs to her and says mother why do you stand and get soaked in the rain and she says i have no place to stay hmm. you know and that is when he wakes up and he says i'm going to build a temple for her i want to build a temple for her a gudi like how it is locally called here and that is how he you know gathers the elders in the village and proposes the idea of building a satyabama temple satyabama and actually temple. the satyama temple too the satyama gudi is just about a few meters away from the gopala swami temple right and yes the visitor who is visiting Sat- uh, the gopala swami temple must also visit the satyabhama temple before that prem i i don't know i just uh, felt like narrating this the story that we talked about the parijata flower fl- parijata tree story right that also has a very you know beautiful message mm-hmm. as you rightly said you know satyabhama got jealous that rukmini got this flower from krishna and krishna loves her more than he loves me it is so often we see this you know we used to we used to be sitting in darshan lines and swami is walking around and we think that you know swami is showering attention on that person instead of feeling happy for the person we feel jealous we feel that uh, why is this not happening to me what is this what is so special about that person that it's not this kind of jealousy swami has said in his discourse that it has no cure whatever happens it will not get cured and that jealousy itself will bring ruin upon you the story of the parijata tree goes that satyabhama because she saw this she felt that if she gets a parijata flower i want the whole tree itself so she requests krishna and the story of how lord krishna goes and gets the parijata tree in itself is an amazing story mm-hmm. but keeping that aside what happens is krishna gets it and he tells i have got the tree what do you want me to do and satyabhama says you plant it in my yard 
So he planted in his yard and Satyamama thinks, now let Rukmini see. When she sees, she'll see that, you know, I have got the tree in my yard and she'll understand that she got only the flower, I got the tree. But then it so happens that every day when the breeze blows, the flowers fall into the yard of Rukmini. So though the trees in the Parayasa trees in Satyabhama's yard, <laughs> the flowers still go to Rukmini. So, you know, there are many such stories between Satyabhama and Rukmini. And uh, it almost seems like a divine play that was enacted to inspire the devotee that whenever something good happens, celebrate the good. Because as we discussed in the previous satsang, whenever we see good in others, that good comes to us also. Whenever we start feeling bad about others and see bad in others, that bad comes to us also. And it's a very important point that you mentioned, Arvind, that saying that there is no cure for jealousy. Because Hmm. we think the cure for jealousy is getting more than the other person whom you are jealous of. Uh, Correct. But Swami has also reiterated so many times that it doesn't happen. So, And as we had discussed last time, gratitude gives you more opportunities to be grateful. Maybe being jealous will... Give you more opportunities to feel jealous. (laughs) jealous (laughs) I don't think I can call it an opportunity. It will put you into that terrible situation where you will have to feel jealous more and more. So let's not get into that jealous cycle. Let's always celebrate the good that happens to others. In fact, it reminds me of another episode, you know. Never, never had I got uh, Vibhuti directly from Swami's hands, you know. Swami would wave his hand. That motion is so familiar when we see, you know, in the middle of the darshan line, he stands, takes a step back, starts waving his right hand in a circle, creates Vibhuti and he gives. Right. I had got many opportunities to offer him a white handkerchief to wipe his hands after he creates vibhuti. But never had I received vibhuti from his hands. Okay. I remember on one occasion when I was so sick, I requested him for vibhuti. He never gave it to me. But at the same time, another boy, you know, he had a boil on his head and it looked it looked like a pretty simple pimple, just a matter of time before it goes. Mm-hmm. And Swami expressed so much concern for him and created vibhuti and gave it to him. I felt this is terrible injustice you know I am having far greater medical problems and here is Swami giving Vibhuti for some small pimple and this is what used to happen that was a time when during one of the Paranam sessions you know that is why the Paranam sessions are where the teachers speak Swami's stories and describe Swami's experiences you know we were saying that this should be done to the children because they form impressions. They form make us form impressions in such a strong manner. I remember listening in that Paranam when the teacher said that when you feel jealous like this, you will be deprived of what you, you are seeking. Because that jealousy is such a disease and it has no cure. And to my utter shock, if I can say so, he used exactly the same example that I was going through. He said, for example, if Swami comes and creates Vibhuti to a person next to you, you look and you start feeling jealous and think, why I am not getting it? What is so special in that other person? I said, my God, is he talking to me? And then he said, instead of feeling jealous about that, if you can feel that, you know, him getting vibhuti is equivalent to me getting vibhuti because he is my brother after all. If you can rejoice and celebrate for him, I can promise you that there is a greater chance of you getting vibhuti than if you feel jealous. And he said it with such vehemence and confidence that I decided to test it out. And from that day onwards, I would keep doing it. Every time when somebody gives Vibhuti, I'll feel happy. I'll say, yes, Swami, I'm so happy he got Vibhuti. But I must confess that I was doing it because I was hoping that by doing this, sometime I'll get Vibhuti. It took a lot of time. Finally, what happened is I gave up expecting Vibhuti. 
but i used to do it because that became my habit now if somebody gets vibhuti i'll feel happy and another reason i used to feel happy is because i now i can rush to swami and give him a handkerchief and get a chance to go close to swami when i'm giving him a handkerchief one occasion swami materialized vibhuti in this manner and i ran with the handkerchief and as swami gave him he looked at me i just offered the handkerchief zero expectation but then swami smiled he told me show your hand and then he gave vibhuti in my hand and at that time it hit me and i felt oh my god if i really rejoice when others are getting good i attract that same good onto myself unconsciously and if i feel sad depressed and if i feel negative when some good is happening to others unconsciously i am pushing that good further and further away from myself because i am responding negatively to the good so more or less it is deeply ingrained in me that whenever good happens to somebody we must rejoice that is also a sign of a spiritual person in a sense when i say that you know uh, this feeling is spontaneous when suppose you are not getting something which somebody else is getting especially when it's something as special as something from swami hmm. i think the feeling is spontaneous that you feel hurt or you you feel missed but i think the challenge is that you know the jealousy is when you ask why him hmm. but the question that has to be asked is why not me what should i do to be in that position and that is what a spiritual person always looks inside he doesn't ask like why should he get it correct you know, how does he deserve it but you know how can i deserve it what should i do to deserve it beautiful point prem look inside yes because that feeling of hurt is so spontaneous maybe it will take effort to spontaneously not have that feeling when such a thing happens maybe to uh, you know channelize that energy in a way it would benefit you individually in your progress to swami maybe to ask why not me Hmm. I hope it's a useful digression that we have had and <laughs> coming back to the story which we've been narrating correct this kondama raju he was a he was also a great a playwright he was an actor it is said that he often donned the role of lakshmana the brother of lord rama and he knew the entire ramayana by heart especially that one particular version of ramayana the lepakshi version, version of ramayana dear listeners uh, without appearing like as if we are trying to promote the places around puttaparthi i must say that lepakshi prem have you been there to lepakshi no i have not had the opportunity to be there <laughs> oh then let me market it even <laughs> to you you know i have been there at least 10 times right lepakshi is about an hours drive from puttaparthi right. it comes near um, one of the historical bagepalli right. yes and there's a beautiful temple there it's actually a fort temple it is said to be of the vijayanagar kingdom times dedicated to lord shiva right? yes i am not wrong yes lord shiva uh, in the bhairav form you know it's okay. uh, and it is actually lord veerabhadra that is the form the okay. veerabhadra but the beauty of the lepakshi temple prem is that right next to the lord veerabhadra temple there mm-hmm. inside this main temple there are four sections okay and right next to lord veerabhadra is lord vishnu mm-hmm. very very rare where you find both lord vishnu and shiva in the same temple mm-hmm. that is the uniqueness inside the temple but coming outside the stone architecture is right, very famous for that famous i mean it's simply mind blowing mm-hmm. as i said i have gone there 10 times to do photography mm-hmm. there is also a huge uh, footprint in the rock there it measures about you know 3 feet maybe Okay. Two and a half to three feet. The footprint is, and legend goes that it is the footprint of Mother Sita. Hmm. It goes that way, and surprisingly, this I have seen it with my own eyes. From the big toe of the footprint, there is an 
magical water that keeps coming right. and filling up the footprint even in the peak of summer when everywhere else it is dry you remove that entire water the footprint again fills up with water within minutes right and you know how the place got its name lepakshi oh you should tell me that <laughs> they say that this was the place where ravana when he was kidnapping sita he was flying you know the forest dandakaranya is forest is supposed to be located somewhere in maharashtra madhya pradesh in india okay down south is andhra and definitely ravana would have passed over this region while going to lanka right sri lanka the modern day sri lanka he says this was the place where the bird jatayu attacked okay. ravana and ravana severed the wings of the bird and it died it fell down at this spot that is where they say lord rama came and said le pakshi no. le meaning in telugu get up get up get up o bird and you know that bird jatayu had the great privilege of getting its final rites done at the hands divine hands of lord rama a privilege that even the dashratha did not have exactly so rama's father rama left so in honor of that this temple has been built and there are many stories connected to the ramayana and jatayu which are there okay and when you see the footprint you'll imagine that my god sita must have been a really tall person mm-hmm. and swami describes sita as a short person who could not put a garland to rama so you can just imagine the size of rama but then i think sometime in kodai swami had materialized a right ring of lord rama and lord. it was like a bangle <laughs> like a bracelet for yeah and in fact another time swami materialized a chain a necklace kind of thing which ravana used to wear ha huh. and uh, i remember the description of how it was materialized you know a huge maybe you know the size of the biggest cell phone you have now <laughs> okay you know, that size a, a medallion it had My it was God. almost like a mandapam you know, three lingams encased in a mandapam of that size like a little shrine it was a little shrine and that's the pendant okay that's the pendant and the chain was made of 105 lingams oh a string of 105 lingams adding to the three which was already in the making in, a total of 108 108 and swami said this was what ravana wore and just for a fraction of a moment swami wore it on himself uh-huh. and it came to almost swami's you know knee. little above swami's knee oh and swami took it out and swami said it happened to be neck tight for ravana <laughs> so you can only imagine the size of the and characters swami has said on many occasions that you know in the treta yoga in the dwapar yoga they were very very tall and Much they even tall. lived long right i don't know the exact number but i remember swami saying that arjuna was somewhere beyond 100 years when he right. actually fought the mahabharata no, war uh, arjuna was 86 or something and no Krish- no krishna was 85 86 and arjuna was 70 oh, something and uh, bhishma was way beyond 120 130 like that and swami used to say that in the period of ramayana people used to live even longer because according to ramayana it is said that ramaraja alone lasted 100 years after okay. he was coronated and before rama decided to bring the avatar to an end he is supposed to rule for 100 years and you know prem though people may think that these are just you know stories and maybe myths even scientifically this thing has been shown mm-hmm. you see the larger the mammal the l- longer it lives okay among all the mammals you except man man has got an artificial ways of boosting his life and artificial ways of ending it also within 5 6 years among all the land animal the longest living mammal that you see is the elephant right so and the shortest living ones are usually the rats the small ones they live a few years and they die out 
so it is seen that there is some kind of relation a very strong correlation between body size and uh, life expectancy right. so when swami says that in the bygone era people were very tall and they lived very long lifetimes it is not simply it is not that it is totally unscientific or something like that mm. science is often the lesser circle of spirituality so even science has discovered that well i think <laughs> that's the thing so that's lepakshi and lepakshi took us to ramayana and ramayana oh, okay, took okay. us to okay okay so yeah the lepakshi that. version of ramayana was what kondamaraju knew right and actually he was very very popular as a playwright as a actor because he as you said you know he was playing the role of lakshmana and also because of his very pious nature and uh, it is believed that once venkavadutta comes and he used to very often visit kondamaraju because he was a, a, an avadutta as a person who roams from place to place hmm so every time he used to come near the southern part near puttaparthi he would come and visit kondamaraju and it seems that one particular occasion when he came and met hmm. he was in tears he was in bliss okay and kondamaraju was asking what is causing you to be in such raptures and uh, the venkavadutta says that you know you are blessed hmm. our whole lineage is blessed hmm. the lord is going to come down and the lord has chosen our clan and you know kondamaraju could not uh, really comprehend the news which he was hearing correct and he was saying in our clan in our life you know are we going to be able to see that lord in our lifetime he was so happy to hear that news he felt that his rama that he has been worshiping for so long will now be part right. of his clan his lineage it was such a proud moment while that happened on that front on if i can say on the worldly front what happened was one of kondamaraju's i don't remember whether brother or sister cousin he stayed in a place called uh, kolimi gundla which is about say about 100 kilometers from puttaparthi but in between puttaparthi and kolmi gundla there are some forests now they have depleted of course as they have happened worldwide but those times that is more than nearly 100 years ago they were very thick forests and infested off, with decoits. infested with yeah the wilder among the animals <laughs> that is the human, human animals animals humans and you know uh, kasturi sir narrates how the raju family had some fields in that particular part of uh, correct you know those villages and in the name of showing those property to his eldest son that was pedavenkamar raju he had two sons and there's a bit of confusion in the name actually you know uh, because locally he is referred to as pedavenkamar raju hmm. and chinna venkamar raju but in many uh, literature we see it as with venkappa raju venkappa and raju. chinna venkappa raju right even in different literature of sami sami used to refer to him as venkamar raju and so dear listeners venkamar raju venkappa raju are yeah. the same people <laughs> so he actually thought that he will take his son to this particular area and show that these are our property so it will be a way of passing on you know the property information to the generations to come but he had a hidden agenda right his idea was those who had settled there if they can be brought back to puttaparthi they would be safe he wouldn't have worries about them right one good way of getting them back to puttaparthi was to offer the hand of his eldest son that is pedavenkamaraju to the daughter there right that was that great lady is whom we know today as shrimati ishwarama right and that was how the alliance was fixed the marriage was performed and they say that ishwarama's family shifted to currently what is known as karnataka nagapalli 
just across mm. chitravati river just across the chitravati river very, on the quite often visit it in fact every uh, gram seva we get to go there correct it's on the eastern banks of chitravati you just you just take that bridge in over chitravati which you see now you can it just takes about 5 minutes to walk across and reach karnat nagipalli hmm. right so karnat nagipalli that's how uh, they settled there now the other details i think we'll just fast forward a little bit and come to that beautiful day when you know that is the climax that happened but i think before we go into the description of all the things that happened i think we'll just play that song that song that immortalizes ishwaramma for the greatest greatest ever boon that she conferred on all of us even today when we feel that the reason of our life is swami we owe a part of that gratitude to mother ishwaramma for having given us this beautiful sai danya ho ishwaramba jag ko धन्य हो धन्य हो कलयुग में अवतार लिए सकल चराचर के भगवान जगदो that beautiful prem <laughs> it makes you get so lost in the melody and really whoever has sung that has also sung it with so much of gratitude yes it arouses gratitude in our heart also to that great lady in fact her original name was namagiri amma right but because as you said you know venkavaduta has already told kondamaraju that the lord will be taking birth in your clan and well we will come to the description of the actual birth later on kondamaraju recognized this and therefore said that from today onwards you are not namagiri amma you are the mother of ishwara you are the mother of the lord and therefore you are ishwaramma it is from that day 
it is actually after the birth of ishwara our sai ishwara that namagiri amma became ishwara amma it is you no know, believed that that mm-hmm. tradition still is there in some of the uh, indian families where the name of the bride is changed after marriage correct in that is how kondamaraju chose this name ishwara amma for her and uh, quite providentially he has done that very apt very perfect that's why you know prem when i see all these happening now i'm convinced that nothing is by chance nothing is by accident everything has been so well planned and just that realization gives me so much of joy and comfort because many times we fall into depression or frustration or sorrow because we think that you know things are going out of control things are going out of hand things are happening by accident the truth that nothing is by chance nothing is by accident everything is part of his master plan a plan that has been chalked out by our swami who is so powerful and so loving that should give us lot of solace it should give us a kind of feeling that you know god has a plan that's all we need to know let's not worry about anything really and you know even this this particular episode is not mentioned in satyamsham sundaram Mm-hmm. Swami revealed it much later. Mm-hmm. You know, at uh, one particular point, one devotee asks Swami that Swami, is yours prasavam or pravesham? Prasava or pravesha? Where prasava means a normal delivery, conception, uh, conception, conceptual delivery, right? And pravesha is when the soul decides to enter the womb and use the womb as a channel to enter the earth. And so, genetics do not matter there, right? And it was then when Swami called Ishwarama. and told her you tell what happened on hmm. that particular day hmm. and then she narrates that you know this village ladies have this habit of having to walk up to the village well fetch water in pots and each household you know collects water from a common well so one day when she was drawing water from that well she just found a luminescent ball in the sky a blue and, ball yeah which caught her attention and even as she was seeing it she found that you know it was fast approaching towards her came and it merged in her and she lost consciousness it entered her womb entered that's her what womb. she said hmm. and then when she woke up i think uh, a few days later she got the news that she was carrying hmm so the Swami, difference between prasava and pravesha is that one is apparently fate or destiny the other is like a choice all of us do not have that choice you know it's only an avatar that has the choice of choosing the parents and that is what happened whether it was rama rama too was not born from prasava it is said that the payasam the pudding that was drunk by mother kausalya she gave birth to rama krishna in the prison both his parents were separately chained there was no way they could even come to each other and lord krishna was born so all divine births have happened because of choice by choice and that was how even our dear swami took birth and in fact even if you look at the life of jesus christ and in fact jesus also is said to be born of immaculate conception hmm. mother mary is the virgin mother as she's uh, referred to as and coming back to the story it is said that you know the day swami you know uh, this as we described you know kondamaraju was a great playwright he was a good dramatist because of which there used to be some musical instruments at home He used to have the tanpura, which he used to use for singing. There used to be a dhol, a drum, for percussion, right. a harmonium, and some cymbals. This was family property, which would be given out to the different people for conducting these village plays and all this. 
you know they used to observe that at night the tanpura would start twanging by itself right the instruments would start playing by themselves and when they try to investigate into the matter they found no possible reason why it could happen they shut the doors the windows so that you know the wind doesn't do this but it was not depending on the wind the musical instrument seemed to be played by some unseen hand and that unseen hand seemed very skilled and talented too right and in fact the story goes that it bhagwan's father he goes to a soothsayer i think in bukapatnam correct and asks him i mean a shastri in bukapatnam right and narrates the whole incident of how instruments are playing on their own and he mm. asked him what is, what what does this sign show mm. and he was so surprised and he you know refers to all his text and he says it's a very very auspicious sign it's a sign of something absolutely phenomenal going to happen to your something family something of untold magnitude right. and but it's all auspiciousness that's what he said it's it's untold auspiciousness or unimaginable auspiciousness which is going to happen mm. and uh, you know swami used to narrate this earlier also that during the last few months of that pregnancy ishwarma is doing the satyanayana ratham which mm. is very common in uh, south india and even in north it's very common mm. where the lord is worshiped in the form of satyanarayana and you know this is something that every uh, married couple do immediately after marriage right it is said to confer upon the couple very good children especially the lady she engages in this puja the husband is also part but at times it can be done without the husband but not without the wife the satnan puja is always done as a custom as a tradition and uh, it was the practice of ishwarma's mother in law that is kundama raju's wife lakshmanamma she was also performing the satnan ratham for you know the safe delivery of the child which ishwarma was carrying mm-hmm. and uh, the story goes that you know when actually ishwarma is in labor pains she is at the satnan temple offering worship no she is at somebody's ho- home somebody's where somebody's house is it okay yeah. and offering worship there and uh, that eventful day the 23rd uh, of november and she was called saying that ishwarma is had a, a maid uh, not a maid a village woman runs to the mother in law ishwarma's mother in law and tells her that you know your daughter in law is about to deliver you are urgently needed there and she says no no way am i going to interrupt the worship here because what is going to happen even you know just like kondama raju even she knew that the birth that is happening is something very special and so she told that the birth will not happen i will till i come there with the prasadam i shall come there with the prasadam it indeed happened that way once the puja Completed was complete worship, worship was complete she goes to ishwarama and hands over the prasadam and ishwarama partakes the prasadam after which the delivery happens and a perfect day it's a beautiful monday meant for worship of shiva the kartika somavaram kartika somavaram it's a very special month kartika itself mm. and in that somavaram even even now actually the kartika somavaram is a very very special festival in you know temples where Especially shiva, shiva is temples shiva yes. is worshiped and so that's was, why he's called somashekara right because the monday is very very special for, for lord shiva lord shiva and so it was a beautiful monday morning and brahma murtam it was i think 5 just before 6 around 5 5ish around that time and the year you know every year has a particular name right the hindu hindu uh, cycle uh, follows a cycle of 60 years which repeat after one after right. each other and each for example this year is i think nandana right right i think so yeah 
in that manner the year in which bhagwan baba was born in 1926 that was the akshaya akshaya meaning the infinite infinite and never diminishing ever increasing that is the akshaya that is the year in which baba was born and yeah prem i think this is the right time to sort out one small you know a doubt or an issue that often arises it yeah. is said that you know swami was born on kartika somavaram but if we check the english calendar the 23rd november, of november happens to be a tuesday it happens to be a tuesday in 1926 so uh, how does this yeah actually you know in uh, the english style of uh, determining the days and the months hmm. you know you see the next day begins at 12 in the midnight yeah that's how we celebrate the new year's day also right no at midnight at huh? 12 we start the celebrations but according to the indian uh, tradition of you know setting the times for a day it is believed that the day starts with daybreak okay so when the sun rises the new sun day rises, begins rises the day begins hmm. so invariably if you see an indian calendar you know be it whichever language calendar it is there will also be mentioned the time of daybreak hmm. because it is believed the day starts then so invariably if you see especially uh, you know the november time that's the winter time where the daybreak is a little later hmm so the daybreak is actually at 6:30 or, or 6:27 correct so till that time it is still the previous day that is why it is a somvaram though according to the english calendar 23rd november 1926 is a tuesday according to the indian tradition it is actually still the kartika somvaram that's why many times you know even when we calculate this ashtami saptami and all these right. these days also they seem to be beginning from the afternoon from because it is not exactly according well i mean and that is also because of the lunar thing that comes in in right. those calendars so actually there is no confusion if you see strictly by the calendar early hours in the morning of a tuesday that swami was born but in the indian calendar till the sunrise it is still a somavaram and therefore there is no actual in reality there is no clash it is the same thing but it is a kartika somavaram according to the english calendar it was at early hours of tuesday tuesday morning and the other interesting episode which happens when the child is born and delivered you know they give that traditional bath to the newborn infant and they place mm. it on a a pile of clothes laid on the ground and and the visitors come and they see the child and when they saw they found that this baby was actually undulating up and down hmm. as though something was moving under it so immediately the elders come and pick up the child and remove the sheets of cloth and they find a huge cobra wriggling under that oh almost like the cobra was being the bed to the lord <laughs> and uh, that is reminiscent not almost like it was the case <laughs> that is reminiscent of what you know happened if you see uh, lord vishnu on the in the shira sagara he lies on the snake and even when lord krishna was being transported you know a snake comes and shields right and the hood actually was about the baby but the baby was smiling and the the cobra that was there under swami's bed just slid away and moved off without causing any harm or anything but that was one of the first few signs to show that the baby born in the house is not ordinary right and you know if you see so many signs where swami was showing that you know not extremely mind boggling signs but very subtle ones the baby we, never cried for right, one right that also is mentioned and the other thing is swami was not the first child swami had uh, one brother two uh, sisters one elder brother seshamaraj garu and uh, parutamma and venkamma venkamma so you know swami was entering a household where there were many children actually and in the satyam shamsundram it's also said that 
the two brothers live together pedu venkamaraju chinnu venkamaraju and also one of the daughters of kondamaraju hmm. so it was a huge family with about 15 20 children <laughs> and in such a environment swami always stood out even as an infant even as a small child correct uh, for example he would always insist on having either the vibhuti on his forehead or the kumkum right not or actually vibhuti and the kumkum he wanted both you know and they say that if at all they would get wiped out you know when you put vibhuti or kumkum during the course of the day it gets wiped out sometime the minute it goes away he immediately goes and again applies vibhuti and kumkum and i think so naturally it is the case because he is how that is another story but he is considered as the shiva shakti avatara the shiva right. shakti which contains both shiva and the shakti right. vibhuti for the shiva and kumkum for the shakti makes absolute sense and i think about the story of how how he shiva shakti and what is the legend about that i think we shall reserve it right. for a later time where the declaration part of the story comes but you know one interesting thing was you know how kasturi wrote this satyamsham sundaram as he expressed to swami the very first time when he was hand picked for this job he said swami i don't know anything about you hmm. and in fact i don't even approach you in a manner a devotee should so when he wrote satyamsham sundaram he actually went and met many of these elderly people who were there when swami was born you know his friends who were hmm. his playmates hmm. his brothers seshamaraju his sisters and he recorded all the peculiar patterns of behavior which swami exhibited all through his childhood hmm. you know things like he was not interested in material objects at all Correct. not like the other children because children you know you f- find some amount of selfishness in children the nature to grab the nature to you know, and uh, nature to grab is secondary but before that this getting attracted right. because it's everything is new for them exactly it's something new and they get attracted to anything shiny anything and because of that attraction they want to hold Exactly. more than selfishness right. maybe yeah and actually that is the beauty of childhood you know it's not selfishness if you don't give a child what it wants it will cry but the very next moment it can forget so it's not wrong in wanting but as swami says the detachable attachments correct <laughs> that is what is missing with us but even that kind of a behavior was never exhibited by swami hmm swami would always give to the other and he was know, always you know one of the most important differences between him and everybody else was somehow he was a strict vegetarian exactly he never touched non vegetarian food though it was part of their you know culture to eat meat that is one thing that endeared him to the grandfather kondamaraju because kondamaraju himself was a strict vegetarian right he never subscribed to touching meat or because of different reasons one is of course he didn't want to trouble them and those things apparently from birth itself were inherent in this little satya by the way yes the baby was named satyanarayana raju and uh, it is very significant because satyanarayana was the vrata that we discussed you know that was done the story goes that ishwarama actually had as you said one elder son and two daughters after that she somehow pined for one more son they say that she wanted one more son and that's why she had done a special satyanarayan puja a special satyanarayan vrata and so since she believed that it was a result of this satyanarayan vrata that the baby was born they named the child satyanarayan and you know very endearingly very beautifully he used to be called as satyam satyam the family used to refer to him as satyam at 
this point, Prem, I'm going to go into one more digression. I can't help but go into that. I'm waiting for you to finish because I want to go to another one. <laughs> okay, you pause it and keep it in your mind and I'll go into the digression. See, you know, uh, I was reading that day mm-hmm. uh, the King James Version of the Bible. Okay. And, you know, we were talking about how everything is part of the master plan and what things appear like accident and all slowly their meaning develops later on. Right. In that, when I was reading, there when they talk of the second coming of Christ they mention different identifying characteristics and if you see those characteristics each of them perfectly matches Swami mm-hmm. one of the first identifying characteristics you know what it is they say that his name will be the truth <laughs> and what was he named Satyanarayana and called Satyam Satyam which means truth. truth and you know it is different it is not truth Satyam if we Satya if we see in Sanskrit is the highest truth it's not just a fact a fact that uh, you know Usain Bolt is the fastest runner in the world it will change after 5 years from now he'll no longer be the fastest that's a fact that is Nijam right but this is Satyam Satyam which means absolute truth and you know it's almost like the scriptures not almost like it is the scriptures finding fulfillment everything is part of the plan even the name the form everything is part of the master plan well my digression is done it's up to you now <laughs> no i remember i just remembered uh, one beautiful incident which happened one of my classmates mm-hmm. you know after he got his first child he you know you nowadays in the it uh, this one they have this like you have maternal leaves you have paternal leave, leaves also oh okay, okay so he uh-huh. never took it when his wife was actually pregnant because he wanted to take it after the child was born those 10 days or one week he could come and sit here and try to get a name from Swami for his child okay <laughs> that was his okay. plan so after his child was born he came here and he informed Swami of the thing and he prayed to Swami for a name and that particular day when Swami had come for darshan Swami mm-hmm. came and heard the whole thing and Swami told gave him a name some Ramakrishna or something like that mm-hmm. and then Swami went off so this boy was seated and Swami that day completed the round and came back for a second round and came again to him called this classmate of mine and he said, what name did I tell for your son? So he said, Swami, you said something, Ramakrishna, whatever. So he said, uh, okay, that name is okay. I'll give you another name. So he said, keep Satya, my name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, very sweetly, Swami said, keep Satya, my name. It's a very nice name. <laughs> As if like justifying that it's indeed a good name. <laughs> no, I was just reminded of that. Very beautiful because I was, I think, sitting behind him or something when that happened. So beautifully, mm-hmm. Swami said, my name. You know, Coming back to Swami's childhood and uh, you know that that was the feature of Swami's childhood he was compassionate compassionate. spontaneously you know anytime any person came begging for arms he would spontaneously see whatever is there in the house and give it off you know it is said that Ishwaramma and his elder sisters at times used to lock the you know whatever little granary was there at the The home house house, because otherwise this boy would simply empty out everything all the grains to anybody and he seemed to have a heart that melted even in the cold you know like that very buttery heart and you know in the later part he uh, Kasturi also describes that not only was he giving charity to people who came to the doorstep it started happening that he would go out into the road and see if anybody was needy, bring them to the house and give them whatever they needed exactly (laughs) on one occasion in fact Ishwaramma scolds him Right. Tells him that, you know what, if you keep giving like this, you won't have any food to eat. Ishwarama says that if you give next time, we will give your share. We will give your share, you won't have. You will not have. She thought that that would uh, be like a deterrent for him. But no, the next day when he, without any, without fail, he simply got the beggar home, 
gave the food and then he refused to eat also he said that i've already had my fill and you know what he said he said that when he is fulfilled and contented i automatically feel contented even at you know when when they say that the lord is there in everybody you know the story of abob and adam right. that you may not love god but you love his creation you automatically become the most loved for god that is the thing because swami if we want to f- make swami feel fulfillment if we want to make swami happy we have to make everyone happy when when the lord's creation is happy the lord is automatically happy and this is seen so clearly because satya little satya told mother ishwaramma that when that man is no longer hungry i am also not hungry when he is contented and satisfied i am also satiated contented and satisfied and uh, the other incident which happens also right that what, uh, what happens is that you know when the mother gets very worried that satya is not eating food yes she goes and she tries to pamper him she tries to tell him eat eat but then satya is so you know if i can say uh, positively stubborn right. that he will not eat because his, his share has to be given that finally you know the mother relents she says okay whomever you get we will feed them we will but you please eat it is only then he relents in the process if you see a 4 year old has taught his parents such wonderful lessons of being selfless you know they were not a very rich family every time when i look back at it i feel you know if swami could have chosen a very rich and influential family it would have been useful for his mission right because we think of his mission as the number of centers he set up the number of institutions he has set up the number of people whom he has gathered but god doesn't come for that god doesn't come to set institutions that's a very foolish and wrong way the world measures that is how world measures the world but the lord comes for a far greater and noble purpose to build up love for god and human values in people he doesn't care for the publicity and he started off at such a young age also you may think that you have nothing but you know there are people who have nothing compared to what you have so it is your duty to help them that is what he instilled and that i feel is again another master stroke in his master plan of taking birth in a family that was not very well to do or very wealthy imagine somebody who had the power of choice should have chosen anything hmm. but he chose this and it it turned out to be a perfect platform for him to you know give out his message to the whole world and you know the other incidents which was narrated in satyam shamsundram is when clothes are bought for the children as i narrated there were about 15 20 children in that one single household hmm. so the elders used to go out into towns like bukapatnam and kottacheru and bring clothes for the entire family they used to bring actually material cloth material which used to be stitched correct so each one had to come and choose what they wanted hmm. but swami would always stay aside and he would say that let all the children choose and then i will pick up my you know cloth so it, it was like one thing was just one nature. thing was selflessness and the other thing he was teaching was his happiness did not depend on these things because he did not do it you know in a, a high handish way or he just felt that you know i'll be happy anyway no matter what i wear and you know another interesting incident which i'm reminded is one of our old students mm-hmm. once met with uh, ishwarama's sister okay okay and she was a grand old lady then when he met nearing hundreds so he would go to her every day and say that when you tell me something about swami's childhood and all that mm. and she was well into 
you know a last lap of her life and she uh, memory was failing her but one thing she narrated she said i remember one thing that one particular day for some reason uh, swami's elder brother sesham raju scolded him for something hmm. and uh, little swami started crying hmm. you know inconsolably nobody could silence him so you know even nowadays in uh, villages they have this thing where a man comes and sells clothes door to door Hmm. they have this huge umbrella and they will have the clothes stacked in that umbrella yeah, the umbrella will be held upside, be down. upside down and he would come around so such a man was coming around in puttaparthi so they called him and they thought that let's get something for the little boy and pacify him hmm. okay so they bring this man who's selling these clothes into the house bribe him into silence okay. and so they tell uh, little satyam they just pick up some shirt hmm. so in among all those pile of clothes which was there swami put his hand inside and swami pulled out an ochre shirt okay And Swami said, "I like this color." Hmm. And she said, "I distinctly remember that because no other child would have chosen a color." And you know, as I said, Swami was subtly sending out so many messages to prepare not just the family but the whole town, the whole village. These qualities and these traits that he exhibited, you know, endeared him not only to the elders but to the children also. In fact, this came as a surprising discovery. for uh, kondama raju and the other members of the family what happened was the ram navami was a big festival and you know we have already discussed how kondama raju knew the ramayana by heart and so naturally this festival celebrating the birth of lord rama so during ram navami in puttaparthi there used to be a procession where the statues of lord rama would be taken along with a picture you know in the cart right then they suddenly noticed that little satya was missing from home in the night the procession is on in the village so they wondered whether he has wandered off somewhere and he has got lost in the crowd after all he was a 5 year old so there was panic at home and everybody was searching and to their surprise greater surprise you know where they found little satya little satya was seated in the cart that was carrying the statues the picture of the lord and he was by the side of this picture It was like yeah. he was also being worshipped along with the yeah, means picture. in the sense though not consciously being worshipped, but he is right next to the picture and so whatever worship is poured onto the picture, he also receives it. And when they were surprised and they saw this, the other children they used to be very happy with this procession because it's something fun, something different, lot of sound, lot of you know some fireworks here and there. So run along with that. So they they ask the children, why is Satya not running along with you guys? You know he should be with you people, right? they said no 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 he should sit there why because he is guru at a age of 5 and a half when many children don't even know the meaning of guru and maybe not don't even know that term because the term guru which refers to teacher you are introduced to a teacher when you join first grade in when you are 6 year old before that it's only kindergarten and it's here were children who had already recognized him as a guru I think that is something that has never left him ever since. Even today, he is the Jagat Guru, the Sad Guru for millions around the earth. And I think Prem, we had decided to <laughs> speak so much. We decided some part of the story till where we will discuss today. We have nowhere near that point because the Lord's story is such. As we start speaking about it. as we start narrating it and enjoying it we come across so many lanes and by lanes into which we can go and it's all a pleasurable experience dear listeners at this point where the elders 
and the children in the even the children you know the innocent children in the village have recognized our little satya as guru we stop the narrative we hope to take this up to next week let's decide that on the basis of the feedback we really don't know how uh, you enjoyed this satsang dear listeners arvind it was you know keith used to say a thing of beauty is a joy forever hmm. i think swami stories like that it is not something which anybody of us can be bored of but what we have to see is are people getting bored of our narrative <laughs> yeah uh, uh, dear listeners hope that <laughs> our narrative has not bored you because frankly speaking both prem and myself have enjoyed ourselves here reliving the story so beautifully if you would uh, like us to stick to only topics of discussion of practical use in the world as we were doing please do let us know we will have the satsang by ourselves without the mic <laughs> we But will if you it. if you want us to continue the story even next week you know for the sake of continuity and for the sake of being able to perceive the flow better we leave it to your choice based on the feedback so having started something new ventured upon this with love and gratitude to our lord we definitely await feedback and as always you can write to us at listener at radiosai.org we will be eager to read your mails and let's hope prem that by swami's grace our narrative has not marred his stupendous glory and beautiful story yes dear listeners we thank you for your company and we thank swami for this opportunity to to drink once again the nectar of his lovely story so till we meet next week in next afternoon satsang this is arvind and prem taking your leave and offering our pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet sairam you just heard an episode of our radio series afternoon satsang this is a discussion between radio sai's prem and arvind on different spiritual topics and the topic of today's episode was satyam shivam sundaram the life story of bhagwan sri satya sai baba This was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12:30 p.m. on March 28th, 2013. We hope you enjoyed it. Your comments and suggestions are very important to us. Please mail them to listener at radiosai.org. Next week, same day, same time, will be the continuation of today's episode. Stay tuned. Thank you and loving Sai Ram from Prashant Nilayam.